Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. I am looking at a beautiful sunset out my window of the Westbury Hotel in Dublin, Ireland right now. Oh, look, there's a seagull. I wonder if that's the one that shit on my window before I got here. I haven't talked to you since, uh, when is it? Thursday. And uh, a lot has gone on. A lot has gone on in the world. Bill Cosby's going to prison. That was a long time coming. I don't know if he's going to prison. They might lock him to his couch. I don't know what's happening, but uh, it was pretty, uh, pretty spectacular uh, bit of justice there. Still in Dublin, and I want to thank everybody for coming out to Vicker Street. That was a that was a great show. I love that place. I love that club. Uh, I love the people in Ireland. Can I can I say that? I I'm, I'm honest about it. I feel very comfortable here. Out of all the places I've been. And this is not to knock Oslo or Stockholm or London even. It's just something about the Irish. I just feel very comfortable. I think they're very authentic people. They're very nice people. And uh, and I like it here. I, I like it so much that this was my plan, that if I had to leave the country, it, Ireland is always the place I felt like coming. And I got no, I got no connection to it genetically. I can't claim any citizenship. I can't. I, I just, I like the people. And I've always been mildly obsessed with the Irish, to be honest with you. Back in college, all those years, I started in Boston. I performed for the American Irish at the beginning of my career. That was my baptism in fire. It was a, an Irish fire that I was baptized in. Uh, probably, you know, I, you know not, not right off the boat Irish, but a few generations in. But my relationship with the, the Boston Irish was always a little, a little tense for me. I'm sure they didn't give a fuck or a fuck, but uh, for me it was. And then when I come back here, when I when I come to Ireland, I see the source. I come to the I come to the source of the American Irish. There's many more American Irish people than there are Irish people, Irish Irish, uh, in the world. I think I, I believe that is true. They have spread, but I see them. They look familiar to me. I, I from being living in Boston all those years. I come here and they're just there's a, a difference. There's a difference in vibe, and I'm not being judgmental. I'm just acknowledging it. There, it seems that the over a couple of generations in the states, it activated some sort of menace and intensity that uh, I don't feel here. But then again, it's limited. I may be romanticizing. 
I guess what I'm saying is the Irish are okay with me and they're a great audience and they're very pleasant people. I've had a nice time. I did things. Did I mention who's on the show today? I guess I should do that. Scott Thompson is on the show. And I haven't, uh, I haven't done Scott Thompson yet. They, I mean, it's sort of amazing. I've got, I've, I think I've only got one more kid in the hall. Scott Thompson's on the show today, as is a, uh, a little talk with, uh, with my buddy uh, Tom Rhodes. My old friend Tom Rhodes stopped by just to chat. Oh, my God, I'm a little disheveled. I'm a little fat. My tummy's uh, hanging over my pants. You can't eat bread with every meal and expect to win. You just can't. Why did I let myself? Doesn't matter. I'm not going to do this with you people. Not today. I'm going to tell you about the amazing trip we've been having. So we got here. The Book of Kell folks, uh, that old manuscript they got over there at Trinity College, they reached out to me on Twitter. And uh, we went over there and we went to the Book of Kell exhibit and got walked through by someone who knows what they're talking about and learned a little bit about that. The whole book is there, but for some reason, they're just going to let you see a couple pages. You just assume that the rest is under there. You see a couple of the nice uh, hand-done manuscript pages of the Book of Kell, which is a very old book of the four Gospels. Got a little history. And then we went into the old library at Trinity College, the Long Room, which is the most dramatic and gorgeous wooden room full of books I've ever seen in my life. Learned a little bit about that. Stood next to a statue of Jonathan Swift. Uh, thought about uh, Yeats. Thought about Joyce. Thought about Swift. A lot, of, lot, a lot of good shit come from around here. A lot of deep stuff. A lot of, uh, you know, cutting to the bone type of business come out of Ireland. I did not buy a tweed jacket. I almost did. I looked at the tweed jackets. I thought about myself in a tweed jacket, and I thought about myself in a Irish cable knit sweater, uh, but I didn't buy either of those because I live in fucking Los Angeles. And the need is limited for the tweed and the heavy sweater. You dig? I think I covered a lot of stuff here. I would like to bring, uh, I'd like to share my conversation with, with Tom Rhodes with you now. Uh, he uh, has a podcast, Tom Rhodes Radio. Get that wherever you get podcasts or go to TomRhodesRadio.com. I think he does another one called Smart Camp as well. But uh, this is um, this is me talking to my old buddy to, uh, Tom Rhodes. Tom Rhodes back in the garage. This would be the original. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called the Foxed page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Raj. But where you been, man? I was watching, I look at the Instagram and, you know, it's like, you know, all of a sudden you, you're in Paris. 
you're, you're, you know, like, where are you now? I love Paris. Yeah. It's great. I've been doing the international circuits for like 20 years. Yeah. And I have a long history with Paris. Yeah. I was in Mongolia last year. Now, but when you do these shows, like in Paris and Mongolia, I mean, who are the audience? They're English speaking, because unless uh, you've done a lot of homework over the last few years, I'm assuming you're not speaking native Mongolian or even French, Tom. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, like in Mongolia, uh, Ulaanbaatar, uh -huh. and Paris, the it was all locals. Yeah. You know, it was mostly um, French people in Paris, mostly Mongolians. and Who speak English. Who speak English yeah. and love English language comedy. Uh -huh. um, you know, a lot of gigs I do, like Tokyo will be half expats yeah. and half Japanese people. In China, it'll be mostly expats with a handful of Chinese people, you know? Yeah. Switzerland is, and it's usually like half and half. But I mean, is this satisfying to you? Is this something that you enjoy doing because you like to travel or is it because you have to do it? Well, <laughs> uh, I do it because I love to travel and I get off on... Uh, learning about places. Yeah. Uh, aside from the used record stores, I like to go to used bookstores. Yeah. And you're sitting in one. Need anything? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Are you getting rid of all that stuff? Not all of it. Probably some. I'm surprised there's so many help, help, self help books. Is there? I'm kidding. Uh <laughs> You didn't even know it. That's great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was so cute and innocent. Is there? I got a couple of recovery books there, but those are history recovery books. That's uh, Pass It On, Bill Wilson and the AA Message, and The Language of the Heart. Pass It On is the history of AA. Wow. How, from the you know, the two dudes. The dude that made it. Wow, Bill yeah. Wilson. But no more, you got nothing, no more drunken for you. No more drinky. No, I'm, uh, wow, I'm four years off the off the booze. But you go, you just, uh, you just do it your way. You don't do recovery. Uh, yeah, that's one way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Why, yeah. You, you you think it's bad that I didn't do the AA route? Who gives a shit how I you follow do Bill it. Wilson on Twitter. Isn't yeah. that enough? Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a shit how you do it. You know? <laughs> right. I don't judge that. Uh, you know, the series of events that, that led up to um, me turning my life around. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we're friends and you know, I'll give you the the quick recap. But, you know, my father was... I've been a heavy party in my whole life, and then I, I had, remember we've had some times. We had some times together, sure. And you know, I really, I thought I was at the pinnacle of my career and way of living. Uh -huh. I put everything into storage. I didn't live anywhere for ten years. I would do like three or four months a year in Europe. You know, a month in Asia, a month in Australia, a month in New Zealand, all over the states. My wife traveled with me for eight of those years, and then when we had time off, like four years in a row, we went to Rome and rented an apartment. I uh, did a month in Asia. Then we went to Bali for a couple weeks. And this is all just sort of like, this is how you wanted to live. This is my dream way of living. Right. And then now with today's, you know, with like Airbnb and, you know, it's like you don't have to live anywhere. Right. And so uh, when I had time off, I would go to New Orleans a lot and San Francisco in the States, uh -huh. uh, Venice Beach when I'd be in LA. We yeah. really had life perfect, I thought. Uh -huh. And... Uh, my father was killed by a drunk driver. Um, I loved my dad. My dad's the reason I'm a comedian. Yeah. And I took that- How old was he? Uh, 74, 73 at the time. He was in a car? He was in a car in Anaheim. Yeah. And They lived out here? Uh, my dad lived in Anaheim. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
And then a year and a half later, and I hadn't gotten over my dad dying. Uh, and then a year and a half later, my little sister died of breast cancer. And I was really close with my sister. Uh, I have two jock thug older brothers who were bullies. Yeah. And uh, beat the shit out of me. And my my sister and I, to rebel against my brothers, became like artsy and cool. And we were into theater and movies and comedy and music. Yeah. And uh, it was always me and my sister against my brothers. Right. And so uh, my wife and I, Ashna, we were going to get married on April 22nd. And then on April 19th, they said she's got 24 hours to live. Oh, my God. Things went like horribly bad. Yeah. Uh, like two weeks before we were going to get married. Yeah. And so I was I was in Florida uh, because I was going to get married. And then all this goes terribly bad with my sister. And uh, they said that she's got 24 hours to live. And my I said to Ashna, do you want to get married at her bedside? And she's like, oh, my God, of course. So we got married at my sister's hospital bedside at the Orlando Regional Medical Center in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And, That's uh, heavy, man. It, man, you know. Was she conscious? She was conscious. She clapped and she said congratulations through her breathing mask. And it turned out to be the last word she ever spoke. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't tell you how much I loved my sister and how painful this was. And I mean doctors and nurses and everybody was crowded at the door it was not a dry eye in the place especially me i was like i do yeah and i mean now looking back i can see how beautiful the the beauty in the moment i mean at the time it was completely gut-wrenching and heartbreaking um but um you know and then she died uh it's a very long painful wait to watch someone you love die of cancer. Yeah. Um, and uh, if you think about it, you know, I, I guess getting married in a hospital is kind of a good place because like people are being born and people are dying. And, you know, I can look back on it now and see yeah. like the, 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 the textured beauty. The, in it, the but... poetic. <laughs> the poetic beauty. Yeah. yeah. Um, but... I went into the toilet emotionally afterwards. As a newlywed, Uh, just spiraled. Well, I mean, it wasn't wasn't depression. It was grief and sorrow. Sure. And I really, I I, I, I saw no joy in life. And I, uh, it it was difficult to come up with jokes. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, I have so much material that I've, you know, been doing comedy for so long. I could, I could still do gigs. Yeah. And it felt great to put my brain on a shelf. Right. And go out and, you know, do shows and feel laughter washing over me. Yeah. But um, I, uh, it's, I pretty much, um, you know, my wife helped me, but I, 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 I think I lost my sense of humor for a while. And then I was also really medicating myself. Yeah. Drinking more than I ever had. Yeah. And I've always been a heavy partier and I really got this fat white guy alcoholic face with the booze nose. Yeah. And um I I just I I be smoking. I'm heavily smoking yeah. two packs of cigarettes a day and I blacked out in Philadelphia. I was in Philadelphia for New Year's Eve. Yeah. Working. New Year's Eve came on a Wednesday and then the contract they had me staying for the weekend. Right. And then I had January 1st off in Philadelphia. And uh, I, it was a normal evening. I had 10 pints of Sierra Nevada. Yeah. It was a normal evening for me. 
Right. And I blacked out. I fell off this bar stool like a tree and busted my head open on a tile floor. And there's blood everywhere. And uh, once my head hit the ground, I was wide awake. Some guy lifts my arm up and he yells out to the bar, we got to call an ambulance. Yeah. I'm like, fuck that. I don't have health insurance. Don't you dare call an ambulance. Right. You, know? you said that. I did. And he <laughs> goes, he goes, he goes, you got to get to a hospital. I go, how far is the nearest hospital? He goes, two blocks. So um, I, I walked to the hospital and I, I got six stitches on my forehead and uh, I had to get like five staples on the top of my head. And the next morning I woke up and I saw so much ugliness in the mirror. <laughs> yeah, bloody ugliness. I had, a, I had a Frankenstein stitches. I had a black eye. And I just, I, I, I just thought, that's it. I'm done. And I, I thought in honor, to honor my dead father and sister, yeah. uh, I, 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 should, I should be the best human being and comedian I can possibly be instead of getting fucked up every night of my well, life. Well, you were gunning for uh, the, you know, you were gunning to really hurt yourself. Well, I mean, I, you know, every hero, I mean, you started out the same. Every hero I ever had died fat, naked, and bloated on the bathroom tiles. I know, but it's like, you know, uh, that's not what makes them aspirational. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. But I, I mean, it took me a long time to figure out. I mean, I was just numbing myself because no, I, I, know. I, 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 I didn't want to face my own grief. Sure, of and course. And then I realized that, like, as a comedian and an artist, that is what you need to do. You need to face your own grief and your own uh, right. shit that's going on in your life. And put it, yeah, and process it and disarm it and make it funny. And make it funny. Get some distance from it. There's no way to get distance from it if you didn't stop or, or, or take it in. But like, you know, it sounds like, I mean, that kind of heavy shit, like your your father going and your sister. I mean, you know, that's years of, of fairly, you know, conscious grieving. Yeah, I you, mean, you and uh, it hurt. I yeah. mean, and you know, the uh, the Charlie Chaplin quote pops to mind: uh, "Comedy is to take your pain and play with it." Uh -huh. <laughs> Did yeah. he say that? I just yeah, I just read his autobiography. <laughs> so, right. so you don't drink no reefer anymore either? Uh, no, and my wife, I mean, minimal. Yeah, uh, like I, my wife is from Holland. Yeah. And the misconception about Dutch people is that they love weed. Nah. <laughs> Dutch people hate weed. They like hash? And uh, no. And the thing is, is, uh, you know, there's exceptions to every rule. But this is what we're not getting in the United States right now. Yeah. Uh, weed is tolerated and semi-legal in, in the Netherlands, but they teach their kids that drugs are for losers. Uh -huh. And so my wife just thinks that, she thinks weed is up there with heroin. Uh-huh. And I love my wife more than I love getting high, yeah. I, I have learned. Uh-huh. And uh, now in the United States, because it's becoming legal state, yeah. state by state, yeah. working from the West. Um, you know, imagine when Prohibition ended, how much people just must have drank and gotten sure. fucked up everywhere. Yeah. So I think that's kind of like what's happening with weed now. Is it? It doesn't... I wonder. I don't think... I. I don't haven't done a lot of reading on it, but it doesn't seem like people are going crazy. I'm saying people are. Uh, I'm seeing weed everywhere. Sure, uh, people smoking pot. Right, right. But it's sort of like uh, I, I think that the people that are going to smoke pot are going to smoke pot, and the people that aren't aren't. You know, it's, like, it's you know what I mean. Like the people that True, always smoke. But pot. what I'm talking about is people from a young age yeah. smoking this really crazy yeah. high grade 
pot. Yeah. That's definitely going to have an effect on your brain. Sure. It's not like when you and I started out, mm. you know, I lived in Amsterdam for five years. Mm-hmm. You go to Amsterdam, the weed shops, it's like, oh man, give me super skunk, triple X yeah. dog dick. Right. right. You want the, because you're like trying to be manly or yeah. whatever. I can handle weed. Yeah. After I lived there for like a year, I would go into the weed shop and go, hey, you guys got any like Mexican ragweed? <laughs> yeah, you know, something you can roll. Low grade stuff. Something you can roll and like have happy conversations with yeah. your friends. And not, so, not be incapacitated. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I've talked about this on my podcast and had people, you know, write me nasty things. You're talking against weed. No. I've spent my life smoking weed. No one is more pro-weed than me. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that uh, this there's not this counter uh, good advice to people that if you smoke weed all the time, you're not going to get shit done. Yeah, and it's all it's going to uh, diminish things because you, you you get a lot done in your head, and and also you it, it disables your ability to listen a little bit. You get a little paranoid. You you sort of get detached. Uh, but it affects people differently. You, you know, some people don't get any of those things. And well, I guess some people it helps. I've gotten a lot more done uh, with my wife uh, cracking the whip, you know. Without weed. Uh, without weed. You know, I've, I've been working on this book for like seven years yeah. about my life as a comedian and all this stuff. That's, seven years. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's I, I started it I, it. I wasn't sure where it was going. Everything yeah. has come into focus about you know my what i had to deal with about getting over the the grief in oh, that's my life. great so like where uh, how where are you at with it how close are you to finishing the book i'm going through the second draft right now so i'm cutting the fat off of the pork chop i got a few uh friends oh my god your buddy jerry stall when i saw it when i was hanging out with you guys at the comedy store yeah he helped me tremendously oh really yeah because i was talking to him and so he's like you know, well, tell me what your story is, you know? And so we're talking and and it's, you know, from having conversations with people like him and a few other writer friends of yeah. mine, I've been able to flesh out like kind of, because I was trying to tell too much of the story. Right. So I was telling him about my life and, you know, after the, 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 the sitcom, I had the money and I looked at that as my NBC artist grant and yeah. I started taking trips to Europe and that's how I got in with the worldwide comedy circuits and just, you know... And I'm telling him all about my life. And I said, listen, you know, I, I just uh, tried to clean up chapter seven. And chapter seven is 70,000 words and the, or, or something like that. Then The Great Gatsby was only 60,000 words. And Jerry goes, uh, sounds like you had a more interesting life than Gatsby. <laughs> <laughs> and then he also said, it sounds like you have more than one book in you. Yeah. So uh, that was very helpful. You don't have to tell the whole story. Right, you know? right. Yeah, that is helpful. But like all these early things that happened to me on the road when I first went on the road, um, like crazy stories that I tried to, just trying to jam everything in there and you don't have to jam everything. Well, that's, I think that's what book. a first draft is for. Yeah. And then you know, just kind of weed them out, you know, kind of put them in different files. That's for the other book. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, nothing nothing will be lost. Sure. I mean, uh, another writer friend of mine told me that. Just, yeah. Just know that in the future, things will be used. Because, you know, uh, I, I, was, I was maced the first time I went to Paris. I almost drowned in Thailand. Yeah. These... I had my own late night talk show on Dutch television in Amsterdam. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then all this epic story about... Um, uh, losing the people I love the most in life and then yeah. still trying to 
maintain a sense of humor sure as a comedian yeah uh i think that's a a pretty epic story yeah I, well that could be one story they the the road tales could you know dealing with grief and dealing with that that the whole process of of processing the deaths uh and also getting clean and sober yourself that's a that could be one whole book yeah so you got the book going that and the new podcast is did you is it uh, renamed or anything I uh, it's uh, Tom Rhodes Radio Smart Camp, that, which comes from uh, our mutual friend Jack Bulware. Whenever he, whenever he and I get together, we call it Smart Camp because we talk about books and oh yeah, uh, whatever we've been into uh-huh. since we've last seen. I each haven't other. talked to him in a while. I saw him last week. How is he? Beautiful guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing great. He's doing good. Yeah, yeah. I guess I should. Yeah, we don't talk as much as we used to. I don't know why. Well, you're busy. I guess. You're I maybe busy. I don't reach out to people. I I feel, I feel like I'm I'm isoated. It is busy. You always and, let us reach out to you. But, but you know, if you were because, uh, but I don't reach out to anybody. It's not like there's a there's a crew. I mean Jer- like Jerry, you know, there are guys that I don't do much. Do you know what I mean? Like I like what do I do? You got, you know, you have the I I've got Sarah, I've got comedy, and occasionally I'll go to some AA meetings and I'll go see a movie. But I guess I don't differentiate between work and and doing things but i guess it is yeah and i see you at the comedy store right you know like i like i feel like i'm getting to a point where i'm gonna have a new house like have people over do that kind of stuff like you know i don't know why and people don't talk as much as they used to because you text you know you don't get on the phone like i used to do that with people well, you and I, you know, we... we yeah, I see yeah. you. But like the fact that, you know, Jack and I, Christ, Jack was at both my weddings. You know, there was a little tension years ago, but like I thought we got through it. But I don't, like I just reached out to my old buddy Sam, who I, I just don't talk to people enough. I'm not in a regular rotation of talking to guys. You know, maybe just a couple, but I guess that's all you got, right? Yeah, but I mean, people understand, you know, you're busy. I guess. Yeah, I just gave but you an I'm, excuse. See, I'm an enabler. No, it's nice. <laughs> Yeah, it's nice, but I feel I'm feeling bad myself. Like that's part of being like, and also part of my job is talking to people. So like, I do get satisfied in terms of conversation. Right. So some of so most of us have to do this with our best friends <laughs> yeah. that you do with people all the time. Just be strangers, strangers, yeah. man. So well, it's good seeing you. Great, it's great seeing you too. Um, I'm glad you're doing well, or that you're uh, engaged and healthy. And uh, you know, sober and writing and doing comedy around the world. Yeah, man. I, uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm very happy in life. I the 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 further, you know, I tell people who've gone through different tragedies uh, and losing people they love that you know you're never going to fully get over it. They're right. just degrees of better. Yeah. And now that I'm so many years past it, I'm you know very happy in life. Very um, very creative. My wife is a photographer. We push each other to be. Uh, creative in our best selves, yeah. uh, as cheesy as that sounds. Um, and then I want to I want to say the last thing. Um, yeah. I just played at this beautiful theater in Paris, uh, Theater La Ouvre. Yeah, I can't pronounce it. Yeah, it's French for masterpiece. Yeah, how do you say Ouvre? Ouvre, Ouvre, something like that. That's it. I'm not good. I don't know. La Ouvre. Yeah, uh, I'm booked back at this theater on October 15th, and I'm going to film my next hour special there. So, if any listener, uh, I'm working on that now. Uh-huh. Uh, who's going to uh, produce it? Cool. So, uh, if anybody's looking for a happy trip to Paris, yeah, and uh, you want and you want that to involve Tom Rhodes. Why not? 
I, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board. Why not? I'll tell you about Danton and <laughs> nice things about the French Revolution. Is that, oh, is that going to be... No, and Voltaire. Voltaire said that God is a comedian performing in front of an audience too afraid to laugh. Obviously, God had also performed at Yuck Yucks in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good seeing you, man. Thanks, Thanks for man. coming by. I love you, Mark. Love you, too. All right, that was me and Tom. Me and Tom Rhodes. Go listen to Tom Rhodes on Tom Rhodes Radio. And uh, look at his comedy. Go go, go find some Tom Rhodes. So Scott Thompson, I have not... Uh, we run into each other a lot. I haven't seen him in a while. I didn't know that he'd gone through some stuff that we talk about. He's, you know, he, he had some health issues and, uh, you know, and he's good. He's back. And he's uh, revived his Kids in the Hall character, Buddy Cole, and is performing new Buddy monologues across the U.S. and Canada. He's also re-released Buddy Cole's autobiography, Buddy Babylon, and he's back at it. Scott is back at it. He's had an, a, a, a pretty great career in show business, and it was it was great to talk to him. So this is me and... Scott Thompson, uh, again, one of the uh, last interviews in the original garage. You say you got a lot of books? Yeah, I have a lot of books. I have a big library. Like like where? where in where Toronto. You? So you're living in Toronto now? No, no, I'm here. I'm here, but I, I rented a year and a half ago. I moved back and I rented my apartment out and I'm yeah. giving it a couple of years. To, I'm giving it one more shot. Oh, yeah? Yeah. To be here? Mm-hmm. And 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 how's that feeling? Great. <laughs> it actually feels great. Yeah, things are going amazing. How long were you away for? Eight years. You were in you were in Toronto mm-hmm. for eight years. Yeah, yeah, nine years almost. Yeah, I went back in two thousand and nine. Uh, I had cancer, so I had to go home. I had no health care, so I had to go home to get cured. What kind of cancer? I had large B cell non-Hodgkin's gastric lymphoma. Oh my god! So it's god. like non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in the stomach. So. I, am I wrong in thinking that that's one of the cancers that they have some success with? Obviously? Yes. The lymphomas and all the liquid cancers are doing great with. Yeah. Uh, like leukemia, lymphoma. Yeah. yeah. Those ones, they've made enormous strides the last 10 years. So yeah. I, I lucked out getting that one. Yeah. And uh, I had a cancer that was very aggressive. But the other th- ironic thing about, about the cancer I had is that because it's so aggressive, yeah. it'll kill you really fast. Yeah. But if you catch it early, you can kill it. Oh, really? So it's one of those things, the slower ones, the ones they call the indolent cancers, yeah. they're harder to cure. Yeah. And sometimes, many of them you can never cure. You just manage them. You manage them. Yeah. But this one is like a fire. And if you hit it really hard, you can just, you can kill it. So this was, you, you found out you had cancer in 2009? Mm-hmm, April. That's when I started the podcast. Well, in September, so okay. yeah, you've been away for that long. That long, yeah. yeah. So you're just here. Were you working? I went back home to. First of all, I had to go back home. How did you find cured. out you had cancer? Hmm? How did you find out you had cancer? Well, I woke up one morning and I had pain in my stomach, and that was it. I just but like it was that. like. But you knew that this was not regular pain. Absolutely, yes. No, sh- oh, I absolutely man. knew. And the funny thing is, we were writing um, "Death Comes to Town," the kids in the hall. Um, yeah. That show we did in 2009, 2010 our miniseries about yeah. death. Yeah. And Bruce and I and, and Kevin were breaking the story down and I showed up like you know, the first week and said, I got this pain in my stomach. It's no. bugging me. Yeah. And I knew it. I knew it was serious. And I was very lucky because I went early yeah. right to the doctors. Yeah. He told me it was like um, acid reflux. And I said, no, I know what that is. And yeah. then they they started, you know, they put me on something for a week or so and I went, no, it's not, it's not, it's not, um, 
it's still there. Yeah. And then they put a camera down my throat, down my stomach. Yeah. And they found, and then I woke up and they said, your stomach's full of blood. You're going in the hospital. And that was the end of it. And I was home in a week. So, oh yeah, because you didn't have any coverage here. That's right. But I had one month left on my Screen Actors Guild. So I got my first treatment uh, here at Cedars-Sinai, which was remarkable. And then I was sent the bill and it was $49,000. Oh my God. For my first treatment. I, I It was covered, but it was shocking. And I realized like if I had, if, if you put all my treatment together, my, I was like a half a million dollars. That's crazy. And that is crazy. Crazy. And and what, now how, how was the care in Canada? Oh, it was great. It was amazing because, you know, I've been gone for a long time and, and uh, I thought they wouldn't bring me back. They wouldn't accept me. But my brother pulled a few strings and they, they slipped me back into the system. So I didn't miss any treatment. I started my treatment here. Then I went home the next day or two days later. Yeah. And and then I started it right away. And I, I went through um, so the next six months I got treated. How many treatments? Uh, six mm-hmm. chemotherapy treatments and um, 30 radiation treatments. No kidding. Yeah. Radiation's every day. And my, my chemotherapy was every... Three weeks. So your brother's got some pull in the healthcare. Uh... Well, my brother works in the healthcare industry. Is he a yes. doctor? No, he's an administrator. Oh, hospital administrator. Even better. <laughs> yeah, even better. <laughs> yeah. So it's that... one of those family connections. You hope you never have to use. Yeah, it really was a good one. I didn't expect I'd have to use it because I didn't expect I'd ever. I didn't expect I would get cancer. I, I, I you know, you, you, something's going to get you. Yeah, absolutely. But I thought my family were were a heart and stroke people. Oh yeah. We're not. We're not. We're not cancer people. You come from old school heart yeah, and stroke people. Exactly. So, you know, our <laughs> arteries clog up. You know, I was more likely, I thought this must, maybe we're gout people. We're yeah. not cancer people. <laughs> uh, you know. You so. broke the, you, you broke the pattern. I did. Oh. And it was, it was, a, so I went home and. Uh, Your folks still alive? Yes, my folks are still alive. So uh, my, I got longevity on my side. Oh, that's good. And I need it. Now yeah. I really need it because yeah. of the damage that's been done. From the radiation. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but you know, I, I, it was amazing. So after I was better. I decided I would um, start over again, and so I started really working at stand-up. How many? How many siblings do you have? Four brothers. One's gone, but I have five. There were five boys. Were they? Are they all in Toronto? Or are mm-hmm. they all? So yeah. was everybody rallying around? Yes, yes, they were. Yeah, <laughs> that's very. <laughs> Don't sweet. be such a baby. <laughs> it's a, it's a good cancer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that must have been nice. Though it must have been nice to be it around was. family. And it was good, and you know, it was. I really, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I really wish it hadn't happened, but it did allow me to rebond with my family, see my parents a lot more. My mom has Alzheimer's now, so those years were really good because oh. now she doesn't really know who I am. Is that true? Yeah, she really doesn't. Oh. No. I mean, she knows that I'm someone that she loves, but she doesn't quite know how she loves me. So sometimes she confuses it uh-huh. and she <laughs> thinks I'm. <laughs> Yeah, a lover. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? I hear that happens a lot, though. It, it does. It certainly happens a lot with her. It happens a lot with her. She'll put her hand on my knee and go, "Oh, you're a good-looking man." I'm like, "Well, you're sort of as sort of a. I'm I'm sort of your son. Oh, I'm too young to have children. Oh, really? Because she thinks she's like eleven. Oh, really? And and then she'll go, "Okay, ma, really?" And then. And then usually I fuck her. I mean, what, what are you going to do, Mark? It's your mom, right? Finally. <laughs> Finally. Yes. <laughs> no one would fault me. No one would fault me for doing that. You had it coming. So. <laughs> and then I decided when I was uh, sick, I'm going to do stand-up because I've yeah. got nothing to be afraid of anymore. I've always dabbled with it. Right. But I never took it seriously. 
So what was the process for that? So like, how, how are you like, because I, I've seen you on stage doing things, but doing, I mean, but yeah, but I would never call myself a stand up until now. Uh huh. I would have called myself an actor who dabbled sketch performer, sketch comic perform- actor, comic actor, right? Yeah. And or one man show guy. You oh know, yeah, he did one man show. Did a lot of one man shows. Yeah, that was the angle. That used to be the thing. This yes, a- but one man shows are where you you know you look up to the audience and your hands are down by your side. Uh-huh. And you've got a, you've got a body mic. That's not the same thing. No. Well, what was the one man shows? It remind me of some of your one man shows. Well, one was called um, the lowest show on earth. Uh huh. And that was um, all about uh, how humans are 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 disgusting mm-hmm. and it's all about how all it's just basically wallowing all all the terrible things that human beings do yeah and um, oh that's good I did 12 characters and they're all dealing with violence mostly it was about violence really how did I miss this I, I don't well here's what happened with that show it was supposed to go to New York City yeah um, I was supposed to open in New York on December, no, is it December? Is this a nine eleven story? Yes, it is a nine eleven story. Yeah, September the eighteenth. Anytime it starts, with, I was supposed to yeah. New York, September eighteenth, two thousand and one. Where the reason that didn't work is it came out, yeah, <laughs> one week later. Yeah, right. So there was like a bunch of us that fa- that went down. That that there was like I think Macy Gray had a new album. I think Mariah Carey had a new album. Michael Jackson, <laughs> and then me. No one remembers me. I'm one of the. I'm one of the. The you know, lost performers. The lost performers. Of the post nine eleven. And my posters world. went up in New York on the. 10th oh my god and i tell you mark you would have seen this show because they are the it's the best poster i've ever done and if 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 that bastard hadn't taken those towers down i would have become a superstar oh really that was on the 11th and macy gray would have had that second album. absolutely and and mariah carey wouldn't have had that breakdown on mtv later (laughs) and my poster was me with a shaved head and five thousand people would still be alive Oh yeah, and that too. Oh yeah, those. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about them. Yeah, sure. But I had a big. It was a, a such a rock and roll poster. I had a shaved head. Yeah. And it looks like I've been slapped. My head's like smacked back. Yeah. And there's a big glob of cum dripping down my my face, and it's just dripping off the end of my chin. Really? And, and they that put was, that they put that poster up. Did they not know it was 10, cum? Ten thousand posters. But didn't they say like, is that cum? Well, I told him it was shampoo. It was a conditioner. Shamp- oh, you saw, really? And it was. There was some cum in it, yeah. sort of like homeopathic. There was a tiny bit of cum, right. but then I kept but they put it diluting up. it. But they they did, and I think it would have been a, a scandal yeah. if if um, the towers hadn't come down. That the, what the poster was up. Yeah, I think oh. <laughs> it was really. There's pictures of me in New York looking really sad and dusty in front of my poster, and everyone walking by it, completely ignoring it. Yeah. Well, they, I guess they had other things to think about. I, yeah, I think they did. I think they, I think they did, Scott. I think it was a bad day for a lot of people. It was a bad day for me. It was a but, bad but day. But very day for you, I know. It was I a mean, bad day it, for it was rough. And then the next po- the next show I did was five years later. Was based- I remember seeing you in a very... Wasn't there a period there where you were very butch? Yeah. In- yeah. <laughs> Catastrophe, it? I think I was really butch. Yeah, which one was that? <laughs> well, I mean, I... I I mean, I'm I'm sometimes butch, sometimes fay. I, I, but I, no, you dressed like there was a period there where like. Oh yeah, well I had this character Tijan. Yeah, right. He sure. was a real hardcore French Canadian guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Super yeah, macho. Yeah. I, I was having a, a crisis about the masculinity, so I was I was thinking that everybody was putting me in a in a, in a box. So I wanted to be a masculine. So I had this period when I was playing really butch characters. Yeah. Yeah. And that 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 didn't work out so well. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
<laughs> you know, you, well, you must have met some interesting people. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> you must have learned something about yourself. I did. I did. I did. <laughs> and now, you know, now I'm now I'm much more. What's the word? What am I now? Oh, I'm what the kids call gender fluid. Are you gender fluid? <laughs> yeah. What does that mean exactly? I don't really know. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't know. I just say it so that people won't think that I'm old. Oh, good. That's nice. You're, you're keeping up. You're keeping up with the new, the fresh lingo. Though. Yes, I'm. I'm woke. Yeah. Oh, good. Good for you. Good for you. You're woke and you survive cancer. And yeah, uh, survive cancer. And you're gender fluid. I'm gender fluid. I'm woke. I eat poke. I'm. I'm like. I'm doing what everybody's poke? doing now. Poke. Is it poke? I would think so. Oh God, man! I can't believe I said it for the first time in in your life. And he said poke. on radio, and I said poke. Yeah. It's not poke. Is it po- it's it is pokey. Pokey. Like Pokemon. Yeah, like uh, Pokemon. Yeah. Okay. And it's Hawaiian, right? That's the hot yeah, new yeah. food right now, right? I guess it is. You know, I, I first ate it years ago when I went to Kauai, and I thought it was great. There mm-hmm. was a place down in Kauai uh-huh. that did a seared poke, a seared oh. uh, tuna. Because like, the tuna, the, that type of tuna uh-huh. uh, is like uh, it's like pigeons in the water down there. Like there, okay. there's a lot of it. Right. So it's very fresh, and they so, just quick sear it, and then they put some sesame oil on it. So usually it's not cooked at all, but I that's where I first encountered it down there. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I it's, I'm surprised it's everywhere. It's kind of. I am too. I am creeps surprised. me out. It's like raw fish. All of a sudden, raw fish is in strip malls, and but, it's okay. But I mean, why is it not sushi? Because it's prepared differently. It's a, usually it's almost like a salad, right? You so you you chi- you dice it up and right. you toss it with a little, I think, uh, sesame oil and some other stuff. Usually, right. there's a seaweed component. Uh-huh. It's more like a sashimi treated. Uh, oh, okay. But I, you just said you ate it. You don't eat it. <laughs> you made that up. I did make that up. Yeah. <laughs> I made that up. <laughs> do you eat sushi? I do like sushi. Yes, I, you would like poke. Yeah, I, I, I like sushi. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So, all right. So, like, I think I, you and uh, who, who haven't I? Bruce, you haven't done Bruce. I know. I, well, th- I don't think you've done Mark. Yeah, he's the odd one, right? My- I, I would say that. Yes, he's the odd <laughs> one. You got a lot out of Dave. Yeah, I think that that turned into be a pretty provocative. I, I think bit that, of business that, with his that marriage was, and everything. I think more people heard that podcast than saw death comes to town okay. i'm yeah. pretty sure well it made news in canada because yeah, of the divorce news. stuff yes do you still talk to everybody oh yeah all the time yeah, yeah. like we didn't talk about the other show so you which so the the one with the come on the face yeah. violence one and the next one the next one was called catastrophe and that was a show that was the premise was really horrible the premise was that osama bin laden took down the towers to ruin my last show so that's what the premise of that show was. that was really a yeah. And how did that go <laughs> that over? That everybody else was collateral damage just so that I wouldn't go to the next level. And you did that show? <laughs> yeah. How'd that go over? You know, it was it was a very interesting show. Um, how did, it was, uh, it had a lot of other aspects in it. It was also, a lot of it was about the, the death of my brother. It was a serious show. How'd your brother die? Well, he killed himself. So it was about my, it was about my relationship with my brother and... Um, when did that happen? That happened in 1995. Was he... He was schizophrenic. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So was he in his twenties? He was thirty-four. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God! So, yeah. and, and how? What's the age difference between you? Two? One year. Irish really? twins. Yeah. So yeah. the schizophrenia hit in his twenties. It hit earlier. It hit when he was about uh, seventeen, and um, in one year he just became a different person. And um, but in those days, people didn't really understand schizophrenia really no and also there was a lot more shame around mental illness uh-huh. and in my family because we were all men and it was such a, a, a 
a, a, a masculine, like you don't show any emotion kind of a family. Really? Yeah. Um, people were just thinking that he was showing off because I was like, wait a second, I'm the weirdo, you're the jock. Right. Why are you pretending you're Christ? I'm Christ. Right. You're not Christ. <laughs> yeah. You can't, why are you reading these books? Yeah. That's my territory. And because um, we were very, very different. We were raised together. We lived in the same room. Yeah. We, we shared bunk beds. I mean, yeah. I was with him my whole life. And then he 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 left. But he was a very good looking, very, very masculine, yeah. very, very athletic yeah. a guy. Like women loved him. Yeah. And he could do it. He could play any sport. And then suddenly he became this weirdo. And I was threatened because I was the weirdo. And because I, you didn't know what was going on, you, you know, thought he I, was just doing it on purpose. Yes, yeah. and I and I was not. I I, have to, I was not um, sympathetic. Yeah, uh, I was not. I was not a good brother. And and then what happened was about five years into it, it was just it was really really awful. And um, like like what were the what were the symptoms? He thought. Well, he had a lot of you know. He thought he was Jesus Christ. Uh huh. That he was the reincarnation of Christ. That he was going to rewrite all of Shakespeare's works. Uh huh. And I was like, that's my job. Yeah. He was going to write all... He t- I remember one time he brought me into the basement and he told me, he had, Jesus had told him that he was going to rewrite all of Shakespeare's works. Uh-huh. And because this is insane, that he wanted more tanks. Uh-huh. And he was going to rewrite like um, one of them and put tanks into it. Into like, Shakespeare. Into Shakespeare. That's what Shakespeare was missing. He didn't have any tanks. Yeah. And, 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 reason, and that is true. The reason there are no tanks. Reasonable update. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, in a way, I mean. Didn't they do one that took a, a version of Richard, one of the Richards in Germany, Nazi Germany? Didn't they do that with. Uh, I think so. Oh, uh, yeah. And also they had, and they redid um, Jane Austen. They put in vampires. Sure. Right? So, so you, why so not? You, why wouldn't you believe that he was infringing on your creative world? That when he, It seemed like a reasonable. Well, see, now, now that he's gone, yeah. I've taken on his work and I am putting, uh, I am rewriting all of Shakespeare's <laughs> works and I am putting tanks into everything except for Romeo and Juliet. I just don't think they need it in well, that I, one. I think you're right and I think it's a beautiful homage to your brother's I creativity. I think so. Yeah. And it all, it'll take the rest of my life to do. Well, we got at least you have something to do. I have something to do. And then <laughs> Don't talk about it too much, but <laughs> No, you're right. I don't this is not many people are listening, yeah, yeah, listening no, right? No, yeah. So, uh and then he got hit by a car. He had a very very um tough life. And so he was in a coma for a long time. Oh my god. And then he was supposed to he, we thought he wasn't going to make it. Then when he came out of the coma, he had um development. He was developmentally handicapped. He talked funny and he moved oh my God. funny and he had the mental problem. and and we all thought this is what how 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 stupid our family was we thought that the the car accident might have kicked the schizophrenia out oh like, no I, I, well, that was didn't. my first thought did he wake up normal yeah that's what we were hoping because we're thinking oh he's gonna w- when he finally gets back on his feet he'll walk funny and he'll talk funny but he will be normal but it turned out no so then he was a guy who was handicapped yeah and had schizophrenia Mm. so that was rough very 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 rough and so when he when he and then he finally couldn't you know he just things got really bad really really bad and um, but he lived a long time with it he did he did was he he on medicine yes he was and this is one of the this is the medication they put him on uh it made him gain a lot of weight, uh-huh. and he was a beautiful guy. Yeah, and I honestly think that was the 
that's what did it. The vanity? He, yeah. I, my family's very vain. Hmm. And um, I think that might have been part of it. I think he looked at himself and he's, he was getting fat and he drooled. And yeah. He just, he couldn't handle it. And, yeah. And, he, and I think he realized, and an interesting thing was the medication cleared his head a little bit and allowed him to face what his he, reality. Oh, right. And I don't, I think in a strange way it killed him. Yeah. Because he realized, oh, I have nothing. I'm going to be my whole my family and the and the government is going to have to take care of me the rest of my life. I'll never have a family. I'll never have a job. I'll oh, never wow. have any, and I so he, he jumped out of his window. Um, oh my god! So, so like that that's that's so like on some level, the medication made it worse. Yes, except that it, he he was controllable. Yes, that, yes, and I mean you know, and I think now they've made a lot of they've made a lot of progress. In, in those medications, uh-huh. they don't have as many side sure. effects. Yeah, but he had some very serious oh, side too effects. Bad. And um, yeah, well, now so, so since you come from that type of family, that yeah. kind of a repressive, like how how did they handle your gayness? Oh, not well. <laughs> oh no, not well. My my family, you know. And pe- it, when did it? When did well? You I came. Up? I came out late in life. Um, which I think is, I remember when you came out. I I think I came out to you, Mark. I think yeah, you were the I, first person I told. No, wasn't it news? Like, wasn't it in like the? <laughs> no, ad- it wasn't news. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. No, God, no. Wasn't like the cover of the Advocate. No, are you kidding me? It's still never been. I've still never been in the Advocate. Well, that's no, crazy. They're not interested in me. Why wouldn't they be? What are they? Gay doing men now? aren't interested in other gay men. Oh no. No, unless they're porn stars or drag queens. Okay. Otherwise, <laughs> no. If they go around regular clothes, yeah. No. Oh, okay. If you're no. just a gender fluid middle aged no, man, I, 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 <laughs> gender fluid middle aged man. Everybody wants that, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody wants a piece of it's that. It's a hot new thing. <laughs> Long flowing gray hair, you know what I mean? Soft jaw lines. Yeah, yeah. It's great. So it's everyone, everyone loves that now. Everyone's into that. No. When no. did you come out? I came out in, um, uh, I was a, um, I guess. Eighty three. Where were you in college? Toronto. Uh, I was in York University. I did. I, I went to acting school, and I still didn't come out. Like that's how closeted I was. I I went. I had a girlfriend and everything. Half the guys were gay, and I still wouldn't come out. You had a girlfriend? Excuse me. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. How that? Go? I, I did it. I, 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 you know, had, sure. Everything. Go. You whole did ball the whole of thing? wax. Yeah. You've seen a vagina. You've dealt with it. I've dealt with yes vaginas. Yeah, and that wasn't the not. That's not the only vagina. Yeah, that, that I dealt with. But that's nice. <laughs> what that, we, I mean, only I dealt with it. Yeah, like it was like 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 you know like a broken ankle. No, my there are some gay men that just have never. They See, call them gold star fags. Couldn't, oh, yeah, <laughs> is that true? Yeah, gold star fag is a guy never, who's never had sex with a woman. But like, just get, not even seen a vagina. Never close. even seen one. Yeah, like up close. Like here's and it creates a certain discomfort in. Them. I think so. You need to see it. I'll tell you something. You were we were talking about my one man shows. Yeah. In one of the one man shows, um, the one that we were talking about, the yeah. one that was going to New York. I mean, it was a crazy show. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was about terrorism, so yeah. it would have had a. It was crazy. I mean, I had a whole mall about Osama bin Laden. Well, why were you? What 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 drove you to towards that subject matter? Oh well, oh well. Um, okay, we'll get back to the other part. Yeah. Later. Okay. Sure. Uh, well, <clears throat> I was firebombed by um, an Islamic fundamentalist group. Yeah. Many years ago. Yeah. A year year before nine eleven. Uh huh. And that's what inspired me to write a show about terrorism. So the show that I was supposed to 
open in New York was actually a comedy show about terrorism. You were firebombed? You were targeted? I was targeted. Where? In West Hollywood. Really? Uh-huh. Why were you targeted? Because my boyfriend was a filmmaker, uh-huh. and he made a movie called Uncle Saddam, uh-huh. and I wrote it. It was a documentary about the- So they had a, 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 a thing f- on you? A fatwa. A fatwa on yeah. you. Him. Him. But I was collateral damage. And I mean, I guess, you oh were- God, maybe now I'll get one. But they, they, they attacked us. And this is before 9-11. This is before the world changed. So what happened was they came to our house at night and they they um, filled those giant, you know, the giant garbage. Uh, yeah, those, recycle bins. The cycle bins yeah. with gasoline. What? Set them on fire. They covered the house with red paint like blood. So it dripped off like blood. And they put a note inside the house that said, in the name of Allah, the merciful and compassionate, burn this satanic film or you will be dead and they underlined dead in case yeah. we didn't take it seriously and that's what we woke up to and that was the year but before was it, they didn't light the things on fire oh yeah they lit the the bonfire it was a it was a nightmare and they and, and they were just terrorizing us but the thing was the police took hours to arrive no one believed us they didn't know, no one had any idea what we were talking about right like my boyfriend said it's islamic fundamentalist and i remember the cops going what is that this is how different the what world year was. year was that? It was 2000. Just 2000? The year before. Wow. November 1st, 2000. And this didn't, did this make news? Very small, like a tiny little story. And I wasn't, my name was not in it. His name was in it. And um, my father saw it in Canada. But it was pre-9-11. So, so it, it disappeared. And then I wrote a show about terrorism. And then I took it to New York. And then Osama bin Laden struck. So, so these people were American-based? Yeah, probably. Fundamentalist- Muslims who who we, were who, filling out it, who were yeah. honoring a fatwa against your boyfriend, yeah. and set your house on fire. The, the, not the house they put; they set the garbage cans on fire on the lawn. Oh, okay, okay. and they covered the house with paint. So it's like it. that rare version of a burning cross. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. And terror, the blood, the red, the red paint was the blood. Yeah, and then the note was the death. That is crazy. It's terrifying, and no one really understood. And I had no one to really. Um, I, 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 there was nobody that I could really relate relate to because what Because they happened. were probably like, oh, it was a prank. Or and everyone's like, oh, Scott, you exaggerate all You're the being time. Drama, oh, why would drama. that happen to you? Right. And then, and then when everything, when things like that happen to me, I usually turn to art. Yeah. So I thought, I'm going to write about terrorism. And the first piece that I wrote was about Buddy Cole, my character, Buddy Cole, yeah. going to Afghanistan to <laughs> take on the Taliban <laughs> because it was right after they'd blown up the giant Buddhas. Yeah, and I and Buddy was like, "Well, can I do Buddy? Is that yeah?" Buddy, it's like, I mean, it's one thing to kill people; everybody does that. (laughs) But giant statues of Buddha—that's just fat shaming. (laughs) So I became obsessed with Osama bin Laden and the Taliban. Uh And and the very first piece I wrote was about the Taliban and Buddy taking on the Taliban and firebombing, and then he goes to Afghanistan to buy anthrax Uh because he hears that it smells really pretty. And he meets Saddam Hussein's son, Uday. Sure. And he's kidnapped by Uday. And they have sex. Well, uh-huh. he's, he's raped by Sure. Him. And um, in an underground palace with yeah. Saddam Hussein. So all these things happen that all kind of 
came true in a way. Yeah. And then that was my show. And then so when New York happened, I mean, when it happened. That was the show you had in the chamber. Yes. Can you ready to fire? Yeah. And and then that happened. And I was like, God, we were talking about Jung earlier. It's like I realized that there was a period in my life when I was very close to that you know, collective unconscious. The synchronicity thing. I really believe that. And I really believe that there was, there was a lot of stuff in the air that people, certain people could capture. I know. I think that's true. Like, I think cause you, I think you see it like it happened to me in a dream, like where mm-hmm. you have a dream and then you wake up and something in your day that could not have been forecasted. Yeah. Happens that's relative to your dream. I, absolutely. And that was it. I was having dreams. I was just, I, I felt like, almost like I was in a storm, like a psychic storm. Did your relationship survive the firebombing? No, mm. did not. I mean, he went he went into hiding and I didn't see him for six months. And they tried to kill him a few more times. Really? Yeah. God, I, I guess this was reported, but I don't It know. was, but it never got really reported. Is he all right now? Yes, he's doing very well. Oh, mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. So getting back to uh, oh, yeah. you, we were moving from vaginas to the violence. Oh yes, that show, the cli- yeah. the, the 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 climax of that show, the I guess the the encore yeah. piece was with but for Buddy Cole. Yeah. The show began with Buddy Cole in Afghanistan, yeah. and it ended with Buddy Cole exploring a vagina because uh-huh. basically it was buddy going you know i've just done everything in the world you know what i mean i've 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 topped up nelson mandela's you know champagne you know he's done everything yeah i mean his mimosa it was a mimosa scott yeah. <laughs> anyways but he decided what have i not done and i guess buddy goes oh i've never really i've never really explored a vagina well he he know he'd had sex with one but he he had sex with her in in a state of like terror yeah it's like when you fuck someone, you sh- it's like he fucked someone, but as they were parachuting, yeah. he thought, I, I want to fuck someone <laughs> like lying on the ground yeah. where the ground isn't shaking. So it basically, the encore was a beautiful woman coming yeah. on stage fully naked. Oh, really? And Buddy Cole exploring her. It was a wild piece. And I would do it in clubs and the police, I had the police come to one of the clubs. Why? Because I would, I put her, her breast in my mouth and I'd suck her nipple and then I'd go look at her vagina and I'd spread her, her vagina. Who was this woman? She, she was an, uh, an actress uh-huh. who was, who, who was doing stripper, who uh-huh. was also stripping. Uh-huh. And I think she wanted to make daddy mad. Uh-huh. <laughs> But you had a good relationship with we her? We did. She was wonderful. And, and she was great. And she This was, show sounds crazy. It was a crazy, crazy show. And I mean, when, when, I'll tell you, when a beautiful woman comes on stage yeah. naked, yeah. wow, it just changes the temperature of the room. Like, Historically, yes. Yeah, yeah, like I mean, but a male doesn't. Uh-huh. Like a male, a naked male in a weird way is almost comic. Yeah. But a naked female is a very different thing. First, it makes gay men nervous. Yeah. It makes women like mm, jealous they're What's looking happening? at what the yeah, hell yeah. and then straight men well they can't even talk right and that's um, funny about the the observation about a naked man because then you're sort of like oh look oh you're gonna look at his dick yeah yeah look at that the dick. only person that's intimidated is the only one is gay men because they're like mm, i like that well straight men are sort of like what's going on well yeah what's going on but yeah. it, it make you know it, it homophobia will yeah. rear its ugly head so but, but it was a it was a wild wild thing in the end i literally i mean i do i, I we practically have sex mm. and but that was what it was about it was about that You've got to, I've got to understand the vagina. I've got to um, get over my, not fear, I wasn't frightened of it, but I was like, I need to know more about this. 
Right, it, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily desire driven. No, and I and I didn't leave the sh- like it wasn't like when the show was over that oh yeah. I'm bisexual right. and gender fluid. Yeah, no, I remained gay and gender fluid. <laughs> but when you originally were dating women and you first experienced yes. a vagina, yes, uh, I, well, I was young. Yeah, you can you could. No, no, you I can fuck anything when you're young, <laughs> and I really liked her. Like we were really, we were, sure, we were really, do you we know were in love? Yeah, and you uh, know her now? Yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes, I do. Absolutely. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, and I we we you know we didn't we didn't have sex a lot, right? And I was terrible. Yeah. Um, I you know I shouldn't say anymore. She's a married woman, has children, and I don't want to. But you know, yeah. yes, we're friends. Absolutely. So. And and what you said your family didn't handle it well at first. Did you ever do that with a cock? Did you ever go? I really should understand what it's like to sure you know it, but have sex but, with a man. But I think there was something that you know I it, it's sort of like you know it, do I want to try something that uh, you know might change my life permanently or am I okay? Right, right where, exactly. <laughs> because if it turned, if let's say you discovered, oh, I may be a little uh, bi, that's a huge difference. But if I'm a gay guy and I discover that, oh, maybe I could have sex with women, that brings me up in status <laughs> yeah, right? I, I don't know does it but being gay you fall i don't know like oh I, god I, yes maybe not now the same way but yeah i'll never get i can't get over i can't get over my childhood right well there's a feeling that like for me like there's a lot of things i think i just don't you know i don't like i don't know if it's i don't know if it's repression or if it's just sort of protecting myself like you know I don't so you're it. afraid that maybe you might well, you sure, I might enjoy it. Of course, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't you? But but so but but the thing is, is like, do you do I want to you know change my life that much? Right. But it, it comes with like a new car or anything. Yeah. You know, do I want to start doing whatever? Like, it, what? I don't think I'm holding myself. So back. you're telling me that I should have made a play for you 20 years ago <laughs> when you were doing drugs. No, it, is maybe, that what you're telling I me? I think college would have been that. That would have been the time. College is when I would have I could have had you. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. College. Okay. Yeah. At least you could have had me for like half of a thing. How, I, what, I, would, I would have maybe gotten halfway through it and said, like, I got, no, no, I can't. Oh my God, what am I now? So you would. <laughs> what would we have done? What do you think? I don't know. I don't know you that well. I don't know what you do. <laughs> you probably do whatever you could. I would do whatever I could. Yes. I would do whatever I could. <laughs> whatever you got to get away with, you would do. Yeah, I get, you're right. When it, you're, well, exactly. <laughs> You wouldn't, um, yeah, whatever, I, whatever was on the table, I would eat whatever was put in front of me. I know this isn't a buffet, you eat whatever's in front of you. <laughs> whatever this kid's gonna offer, whatever he's comfortable with for 10 <laughs> minutes. Offers me a Brussels sprout, yep, you gobble it down. <laughs> but what, how did your family respond? Terrible, they actually, um, disowned me. Isn't that hilarious? Really? Well, you think about today. How does that even happen? I know. My father said, you're no longer part of this family. Really? Yeah. How old were you? 23. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. We've come a long way. Um, and that didn't last long. It lasted about six months. Yeah. Before. And then your mother talked to My sense. mother said, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't care. Oh, Philip, please. <laughs> You've got another gay son. Oh, I don't. What? I do. <laughs> I, she didn't know that at the time. You have two? I, I, there were two of us. Yeah. yeah. Which is the which brother? My uh, One of my younger brothers. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He's gay too? Yeah. So two gay ones, two not yeah, gay Yeah, the ones? one who helped me, the the hospital administrator. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, that's so. So you, but you couldn't team up because no. Because in was, fact, we were actually the least close growing up yeah. because I think we both suspected 
each other's secret. So yeah. therefore, we had to be really mean to each other so no oh. one would think that we shared anything. So I was terrible to him. Oh, my God. Terrible. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. And is that that's repaired itself, obviously. Yes, but it took a long time. And what about the other brother? Well... So there's four, and then the, the, the one who there, passed away. Yes. Uh, the oldest brother was... Very, he was fine. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't fine when we were in high school. He was always like going, don't, he'd be like, you know, when we're in school, you don't say hi to me. You don't come near me. (laughs) You pretend we don't know each other. Uh Yeah. But he's just living a normal life, straight man. Yeah. He's a, he was a good looking, smart, athletic guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's had a very, and then what about Made made a lot of money, worked in the banks. He's a great guy, funny, hilarious. Yeah. And what about the other one? And then my other guy, my young, another my youngest brother, he's a he's a comedian uh, really? as well. Yeah, he in married, Canada. Yeah, he's uh, he he's an actor and he and he and he's married and has children and yeah, does all right for himself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he's a very funny guy. So now, I you know some part of me thinks that you should, you know, kind of redo that show. Why won't you kind of uh, you know reproduce that? Well, you know, I've thought about it. Um, it, it is my. I, I have thought about it because after nine eleven, did you write it? Yes, you wrote it. I down? wrote it with Paul Bellini, who was my writing partner. And I, I basically what happened after nine eleven was we tried to redo it, but no one was interested after that. Sure, people were shocked and freaked out by it. Like, and I got into some trouble. Like, people were. I can't. I'm not. I, I'm not really. I can't say too much. But yeah, um, he got into some trouble with um, the American government. And oh yeah, yeah, huh. So, uh, you know, um, I-, I would actually redo it. And it was about many, many things. It was about uh, high school shooting violence. It was about... Really? Just a, a lot of different kinds of violence. Well, you could sort of rework it, too. I could. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but but you're doing... So so you did that, and then you did the one after that, and then and then you got sick? Uh, catastrophe was what I was doing when I got sick, yeah. yeah. And you were also working on the Kids in the Hall tour. Yes, yes, yes. And then after that, after I got better, I, that's when I decided I don't want to do anything where which has any um, f- feeling in it. <laughs> I just want to do comedy. Because you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to do anything where people go, oh. Yeah, right. right. Oh, uh, you, so you, the, the one-man cancer show is out. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I definitely do a lot of comedy about cancer. Sure. But I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like it when... I don't like it when a comedian um, uh, gets um, serious uh-huh. or um, uh, maudlin. <laughs> you know, and I know, I understand there's there's a lot of... Um, See, there's, there's a couple... Yeah, then you wouldn't have wanted to fuck me in my 20s. Were you a maudlin guy? <laughs> serious and maudlin. <laughs> really? Sweaty. Yeah, but I, I like the sweaty part. Um, no, I would have. I remember meeting you many years <laughs> yeah, ago, yeah. and I thought you were a very attractive. Guy. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, like at Largo or somewhere. Yes, right. Don't you remember we did that? We did that dumb um, game show. Oh, the Never Mind the Buzzcocks. Yeah, that's it. Oh, you were on there with me I was, once. Yeah. Oh my God, it was so like hazy to me. Yeah, that's it. It was. It didn't never caught on. Thank God. No, I don't even remember what it was about. Yeah, I don't. It was a music show. It was based yeah. on a British show. Yeah, and I hosted. I think we did like thirteen of them, and they paid me. I was in the middle of my first divorce. I was very like the week of shooting. I was ill. Yeah, like I had the runs, and I was feverish, and I'd gotten all skinny. You were very thin. Yeah, I remember you were very thin. Yeah, I was like in it, my life was upside down. And I had to take that job yeah. because I needed money. I was. I didn't want to do that. Well, I must say, it didn't seem like a good fit. No, <laughs> no. It did not seem like a good fit. Oh, it was a disaster. <laughs> but uh, okay, so the comedy, 
So you 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 choose not to be modeling about it now. I just what I like. I just like I like stand up a lot because I I just like how it's. You just have to be funny all the time. And how are you working? Like oh, before we get onto this, did yeah. did any of the kids come up and see you? Yeah. When you were sick. Oh, they were wonderful because yeah. here's the thing. I was going through my treatment when we were making Death Comes to Town. Yeah. So when I mean I began the writing process with Kevin and Dave. Yeah. And then I uh, Kevin and and Bruce. Yeah. And then I had to kind of take a bit of and I and I did it all through my treatment and then I had to kind of take a bit of time off because I got really ill. Yeah. And then they 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 based they they did the schedule around my treatment. Uh-huh. So I finished my chemotherapy, and within ten days, I started uh, principal shooting for the series. We shot for ten weeks. Yeah, and and the day after I finished shooting, I went into the hospital and started radiation. Oh, and I kept it together for like two months. You know, I never was hospitalized the whole time. I was, yeah. I would go into the hospital sometimes, but I was never overnight. I never had to go in overnight. Right. And how many episodes you do? We did eight. And I think that that was one of the things that kept me alive and saved my life because oh. I, had, I had, because it was like the kids in the hall, we were back together. Yeah. This is what I've been wanting forever and ever. And I had a purpose and I had something to pour my energy into. And and they were, you know, I could be modeling now though. Can't yeah, I? sure. They were um, they were wonderful. Yeah. And then when we did the final writing session, it was in Toronto, and they had a um, a bed set up for me on yeah. the floor, like a mattress. Uh-huh. And so I would basically lie on the floor uh, where they all would work, and there was other yeah. writers, and I would occasionally throw in stuff, and then I'd go back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Or I'd leave and I, I'd go off and vomit and then smoke some pot and come back yeah. and say something else. And then sometimes one of them would come and lie down with me. I mean, they were beautiful. Like I, they were really, they were like, they were like perfect TV brothers. Mm-hmm. And and they were they were very kind with me. And I also they they also wanted to keep me alive for the for the show. <laughs> and I understood that they were like, we can't. He can't die i mean he can die after because <laughs> if he say, dies right after this we're gonna get some eyeballs on yeah, this show <laughs> well you they, guys they, have known to see each other for so long yeah and, and and so they were they were absolutely wonderful yeah they were well because it seems to me that uh, d- despite or 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 even whatever has happened in all of your lives yeah. however you've grown up yeah it does seem that uh more so than most people who 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 uh, you know came up in a collective that yes. you guys all seem to still like each other. We love each other. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know you're like, yeah, yeah, love. No, no, no. I know, but it is love. Yeah, I, that's the secret. That is our secret. We truly love each other. I mean, and, when, and how long ago? Like, when? Did, how old were you when that started? Well, I was a kid. Yeah, and I'm the oldest. I mean, Dave was 18. Yeah. Um, we met. Oh, well, 85, 25, 30 years ago? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 85? Uh-huh. That's, how long ago is that? It's 15, 27, 32. Uh-huh. Holy fuck. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we've been together forever. And we've been together through everything, like divorces and deaths and, you know. Yeah. More divorces and <laughs> Dave's divorces and, yeah. <laughs> you know, th- th- your podcast about Dave's divorce. Yeah, yeah everything. We've been and, and we've just, we've done everything to each other. We've yeah. hit each other. We've, you know, we slept with each other's partners. We've done terrible things to yeah. each other. But there's nothing now that can destroy us. Yeah. We were like, we're at the point now where we're like, the you only leave in a hearse. Oh yeah. 
It's like the mafia. Yeah. You leave in a hearse. And you stay in touch with people. Yes. Yeah. And we're hopefully going to do something soon. And how was that that series, The Death One, received? Well, I love it, but it no one saw it. Well, like everything in our our careers, we're always a little too ahead of the curve. But did, what about in Canada? Didn't it? It, it did it, well in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Here it was on IFC. It was one of their very first offerings. Uh-huh. It didn't get an awful lot of attention. Well, well, I did a show on IFC for four seasons. It didn't get a lot of you, attention. You, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. You yeah, did. Yeah, I know. Well, we got even less than you can you imagine mark <laughs> less on. attention than I, your show i don't even know if that's true I, you did you do not know that that's true no but you're getting a lot of attention for glow yeah you're yeah. excellent in glow oh thank you i really love you in glow i appreciate that and and so okay so how are you approaching stand-up what are you doing you're up in toronto and you were in before you came here yeah were- what i did was i decided to re um re- basically reboot everything and i decided to go back to back to the, um my roots and well, I decided I just started plugging myself into the Canadian, the the Toronto stand up scene. Yeah, what are the clubs there now? A million clubs. Yeah, a million alternative clubs sure. and, and the regular clubs. You know, yeah. your, you know, yuck See, yucks and stuff. Sure. But I went through. I, I basically started. I would just show up to these places and yeah. be like, "What the hell are you doing here?" And I'm like, well, "I'm gonna do a set." Yeah. I was sort of like moon doggy, yeah. like the old guy that can still yeah. surf. You sure, know what I mean? Man. Yeah. And um, so I just- I do know what you mean. Yeah. Well, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I just started over and I went up very without with very little. I can um, never remember which town I'm in that has which clubs in Canada. You know, like it's Toronto, the one- Comedy with, Bar is the big one that you probably know. That's the one where you go downstairs and there's two rooms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, it. It's yeah. sort of out a little bit. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I yeah, did a lot of work there. Uh-huh. Uh, Toronto has the, you know, they have that famous, the famous pot club. Have you ever been to that one? Yeah, yeah. I think I did. Was there once? Yeah. With the pit bulls running around on stage. Oh, I don't know. It's don't, a wild place. It's like, yeah, I remember maybe you go there after you do a show. Yes. The, yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the place. Right. So that's what happened. I just kept doing, and I just, I, I started working material, and, um, I just and my goal was I, I I my plan was that when I get an act yeah because before whenever I do I would do like Beth Lapidus is on cabaret that sort of thing oh my right God, that's far back right but she I, still sort of does she's it. still doing it yeah. yeah but I would like write a set mm. memorize it or 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 think I knew what I did, would go I would go up and do it and I would never repeat it mm-hmm. so that wasn't stand up but then I decide I'm going to get an act and when I get an act and when I feel confident enough I'm going to move back to the states so right? would you would you put together an hour hour and a half yeah or? and I just did my first album coming out. It's oh, really? called Not a Fan. It's coming out next month. How, what's that title based on? Well, it's just it's just a funny title. <laughs> and it'll, it'll, it, it's a great headline for a fa- for the critics who aren't fans. <laughs> I know. I've done several albums. I did one called Not Sold Out. Oh, there did, we go. I did yeah. another one called Tickets Still Available. Oh, my God. It's very much like this. Yeah. This would be a good one for you. Yeah. I did I'm surprised f- your next one's not called Final not a fan. Engagement was another one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. I just it's my first comedy album. I'm very excited about it. Um, now, but you're going to release the album and uh, and then tour on the material or you No, I'm no, I'm I'm I, I can't do the material anymore. That's what I know, that's what I'm told. It's, I'm trying to rationalize. Well, I don't know. Like, I think with an album you might be able to, but with a special that's on Netflix it's harder, you know, like Yeah. Well, I can't get a special on Netflix. I'm trying to get a special for my character, Buddy Cole. Uh-huh. That's what I'm trying to do as well. He's, he's, I think they want him more than me. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You're in talks? Yeah. I yeah? Am, I am in talks. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. And then maybe he can, like, once he's in, he can grease the wheels and get me in. Right. But are you doing Buddy Cole shows? Yes, I've been doing the Buddy Cole show regularly at UCB Franklin. Oh, yeah. It's going very, very well. And what's the structure of that show? 
Uh, it's called a prelude deluge mm. after the flood, and the structure, the the premise is that it's it's um, buddy call monologues yeah. since the kids in the hall went off the air. So it's twenty five years, nineteen ninety five until now. That's twenty three years. Yeah, and basically it's like ten monologues. Yeah, and you follow. The monologues and you and you so basically there's a history of Buddy Cole and they're all about different topics uh-huh. and different stories. Yeah. And in between each monologue, I yeah. have a card boy. You know, like UFC, yeah. you have a card girl. Sure. But I have a boy. And what's he wearing? Very little. <laughs> I mean, sometimes he wears a lot, but he <laughs> by the end he's only in a jock strap. Right. And um, I use what I do is I go into a town and then I get a young comic to be my card boy. And yeah. I prefer straight men. Yeah. Because I want to sexually objectify them. Sure. And I also, I'm also very, I find it um, funny yeah. with straight men because they're <laughs> trying to be sexy. I find that amusing. Right. Because they're not, like if they were trying to be gay sexy, it'd be different. It but would be different. They're sort of like trying to be like, yeah, and my, what, what does it mean for a straight guy to be sexy in that? And moment? what my, 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 the, the sweet spot for me is yeah. a guy who's just starting to go to seed. Yeah, right. We, we, <laughs> a little bit of a pot. And that's what makes Buddy crazy. Uh-huh. And and he's a little awkward and he's trying to dance. Yeah. And so that's it. Well, and that's then they funnier, they have cards. Right? It's what's funnier. Yeah, yeah. And then they have cards and they're yeah. like announcing the 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 title and the year. And then at the end we have a little uh, scene. Mm-hmm. But whenever I go into a, a town, I pick a comic to be that card boy. Mm. So I have to pick a different, you know, like I get. And they're a, willing. Yeah, and I like to use stand-up comics. That's my favorite. Like I would, I would have you as a cardboard. I don't know. I know I'm, you. I'm a little old. For no, no, you're you're actually <laughs> the sweet spot. You are going to see. I'm not. It. Just, not, I'm not yeah, but you're going to see it in a, a little bit. Yeah. You know, in yeah, a in a. In I, a I, I'm not doing it. No, but no, I can't do it. But I, all right, maybe you're you're like grizzled in a. You're perfectly grizzled right now. It's <laughs> right there. Perfectly grizzled. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I'm just I'm just shy of of, of just crumbling. Yeah. yeah, or ornery. Yeah, like an ornery old coot. Yeah, yeah. Know? I might be heading that way. I, I'm a little open now. You know, I, I don't think I think I've gotten less ornery, but I, I, I imagine you're that more. Can come you're back. more open than you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe you're you're moving away from ornery. I am a little. You used to it be comes, more of a grumpy old man when you were younger. Yeah, I think if you were to talk to my uh, uh, girlfriend, it's all still in place. Oh really? The grumpy old man. I think my public persona has 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 opened up. My okay. private persona it's is still a little, okay. little tough. Okay. A little <laughs> a little, still a little, too, a lot of gristle on the meat. A little cranky, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so you've been back how long? Just over a year. I came back the week before Trump was inaugurated. Oh, yeah. I felt I was needed. Yeah. Well, maybe you are. Well, I think you need. I think you really need outsiders. I, I was ready to come to your country. I was ready to go. Oh, no, you don't want to go to Canada. Why do people say that? Because you think you want it, but you don't. No, you just want to have that. I, I guess so. I, I don't know. I'm at an age where, what do I really need? Well, if you've given up your dreams of like superstardom, then go to Canada. Uh-huh. Well, no, I just mean like there was a discomfort. Like you didn't, we didn't, we don't, we still don't know what, you know, what the, and I'm not running away. Obviously I'm engaged no. and I live here, but yeah. you, you don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what my country looks like anymore. You know, it, it's it, right now. I think now. it's going to be okay. 
I do. I do. <laughs> I'm not worried at all. Oh, good for you. No, I'm not worried well, at yeah, all. Because, you, because I've seen worse. And, what have you seen oh, worse? please. You have to remember, I'm a gay man, yeah, okay? Right. Like, nothing's ever going to be as bad as my youth. Uh-huh. Nothing's ever going to touch the HIV epidemic. Yeah. So for me, it's all gravy. Mm. It's all peacetime for me. Yeah. So I go, nothing's ever going to touch your friends f- dying like flies. Yeah. Thinking about every sexual act is going to kill you. Watching a society turn away from you and watch yeah. you die. That's just never going to be. Right. It's just never going to be that bad. And so maybe that's, it's it's a little selfish of me to go, ah, get over it. It's, sure. You got it good. And and I, so I really believe, and I look back at like George Bush Jr. And I'm like, yeah. how come people are giving him such a, you know a free ride i'm like he invaded sovereign countries he's responsible for the death of hundreds of thousands of people in the middle east for all of donald trump's like you know boorishness he's not responsible for all those deaths yet yet but you can't punish a man for something he might do he's not a good guy that's not the point. No, I know. Neither I know. was George Bush. No one who becomes president is a good guy. No, I understand that. I understand that. Like but he, Bill Clinton, I, who everybody worships, sure. created Don't Ask, Don't Tell and the Defense of Marriage Act. Right. So, you know. I mean, like We're moving towards the thing, though, where, you know, put, you know, getting rid of all the protections, environmental protections. Yeah, and those, those things aren't good. Right. I'm just saying that he's criticizable. Oh. Of course he's criticizable. I'm not a defender. I'm just saying I I don't see it as um, the end of the, the end world of the world yet. Okay, and it it, it it might be. Yeah, but but you're okay. You survived cancer. This is the thing. I'm okay, and and I it's interesting because I see so many comedians paralyzed, and I don't know if it's because I'm Canadian. Is it my age? Is it the fact that I'm a gay man who's seen a lot of shit? Paralyzed how? You in seem- terms of they're so freaked out by oh. Donald Trump being in power, right? That they, 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 and also political correctness is making them uncomfortable, especially straight white guys. Yeah, they are like, well, I can't say anything, and I have, I'm kind of free. I'm yeah. like, I don't have any of that. I don't worry about. It. I'm like, I'm not going to apologize for being white or male. I'm a gay man in my late fifties. <laughs> I got nothing to apologize. For. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you want to, like, if we want to have, like, you know, enter like my generation in the. Uh, the victimization sweepstakes we Mm. win yeah and that's a strange power nowadays in this world we live in so i i'm not worried by i'm not worried by political correctness and i'm not and i'm not i'm not um paralyzed by donald trump's presidency well no i think everyone has to sort of we do have to kind of fight through that you you know i mean it just it's the way the country works yeah and comedy like i i think comedians have to remember you you, you've got to be funny and and, yeah. and and virtue signaling or letting everybody know that you're on the right page politically yeah. isn't funny. Right, right. We need to get past that. No one really cares. <laughs> I, 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 right? I well, no, I think being funny, and if you can do a little bit of virtue signaling and be funny. No, no. You can't? No. They, they're completely exclusive. I think so. <laughs> no, I think a person, they should leave a comedy show and go, wow, that, that person was hilarious. I'm not sure what their politics are. Oh, I don't know if I completely agree with that. <laughs> I want people to go, I like that guy, but I can't tell if he's evil or good. No, you're evil. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I'm evil. <laughs> oh, that, that question. That's the nicest thing anyone said to me today. You're evil. You said, and that, you, that came out quick. <laughs> well, you know, evil, you evil, you're cute evil. Cute evil, yes. Yeah, yeah. 
impish. Can we just say impish? Sure. Yeah. So since you've been back, are you? Is the work coming your way? Are you reintegrating? What's happening? Yes. Oh, good. I'm doing a ton of stand up, a ton of per- live performing. I'm not auditioning a lot. Like I'm not getting like yeah. acting roles. Yeah. But they're they're gonna come. And what was? Uh, did you like? I was at the the Shanley Memorial. Did you come down for that, or were you sick? Uh, I was sick. You weren't in town. I wasn't in town. Yeah. No, I loved Gary Shanley. He was an amazing. How man. long we did? How long were you on that show? Three for? years. And you had a good relationship. Very with much so. Yeah. Sweet guy, right? Sweet guy. What I loved about Gary was like a brilliant comedian. Yeah. I mean, a genius. Yeah. But a good man. Yeah. And that's not always the case. Yeah. And um, you, yeah. you knew Gary, I tell you. A little it. bit, a little bit. Yeah. Not was, a lot. I mean, I, was, I talked to him in here. I can't say I knew him. He was amazing. He, I mean, I, I, he really inspired me to to do stand up in a way because he he took on it took it on late. Mm-hmm. He didn't start off that way. And and what I loved about the way he worked was he was always working. Like when we would do the show, he was never satisfied. He was always thinking about a better line, uh-huh. or a better way to attack this, right up until they called action. And even when we were performing, he would still go, I know there's something better here. Yeah. And, and I really admired that. And I also admired the fact that he didn't care where a suggestion came from. I wouldn't say he was egoless. Yeah. But he didn't care if it was a writer or an actor or a grip. Or yeah. He didn't care. Yeah. Um, if it served the funny. If it served the funny. Yeah. 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 I, I, th- I think he was, uh, he's one of the greatest comic minds I've ever yeah. come in contact with. And, and also one of the great people. Yeah. So are you, my friend. Oh, I thought I was evil and impish. Yeah, but aren't we all? Yeah. Well, comedians are a little evil. Yeah, you got to have a little bit. You got to you ride the you ride the line because you want to stir shit up. Yeah. And, and, but that's a good. But that's it's not evil. Thing. It's like it's sort of like it's just a portal into the shadow. Well, don't you think that's our job? Yes. To bring things out of the darkness a little bit into the light. Yeah, it's not our, exclusively our job. But and well, it's nice if you can get some of that in there. Well, what else is there? I'll tell you what. The, you know what else there is? Giving people a little relief. Well, really, exactly. Sure. So, we're like holy prostitutes. There you go. Yeah. That's the name of your new show. I like that. Holy prostitute. <laughs> it's a, you keep it. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's great morning. talking to you, buddy. Nice to talk to you. That was me and Scott. So, check him out if he's in your town uh, with his character, Buddy Cole, doing the new uh, Buddy monologues. And also, uh, look for Buddy Cole's autobiography, Buddy Babylon. And uh, it was a pleasure to talk to Scott. This is me signing off after having a great vacation and uh, five-city European tour. I'll talk to you back in the States. And, uh, yeah. Boomer lives!